This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is MuggleCast, episode 12, for October 24th, 2005. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Kristen Atkins. Kristen Atkins, welcome to your first MuggleCast appearance. You're here because you won the Ways to Kill Off Voldemort contest. You got first place, and our promise was that the first place winner would be able to come on to the show. So welcome. Thank you. I even had to email Eric back because he didn't mention it when I first spoke with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's he's kind of forgetful like that. I he's said a I'd but first it because that's what y'all said to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially with Eric. Uh, but before we get to anything else, first let's go to Micah for the past week's top stories in the Harry Potter world. Alright, Andrew, glad to see you recovered after what happened at the end of last week's episode. Melda Staunton appeared Wednesday on ITV's This Morning Show and confirmed that she will play the part of Professor Dolores Umbridge in Order of the Phoenix. She has yet to receive a script, but said she will begin work on the film early next year. Keeping with the movie news, it was reported on Tuesday that from November 18th through the 20th, James and Oliver Phelps, the actors who portray Fred and George Weasley, will be at the Hollywood Boulevard Theater in Woodridge, Illinois, for a meet and greet. They will be there to sign autographs and speak with fans throughout the day. And Collector Mania GMAX kicks off in Manchester, England in February 2006. The lineup promises to be massive as both the actors who play Cedric Diggory and Victor Crumb will be on hand. Newsround reports that the fourth Harry Potter movie has been given a 12A rating by the British Board of Film Classification. According to a BBFC spokeswoman, examiners decided that the 12A was the most suitable category as younger or more sensitive viewers could be frightened by some of the more intense scenes. For those of you wondering, 12A would be roughly the same as the PG-13 rating which Gobble of Fire received here in the U.S. Of course, there are plenty of movie photos, scans, banners, clips, and a new Goblet of Fire TV spot available for download on MogulNet's main page. And thanks to Extra, there's a special behind-the-scenes look and interview with Dan Radcliffe on the upcoming film. Plus, both HarryPotter.com and the official UK Harry Potter website have been updated. Finally, we end with Rocco, the Brazilian Harry Potter publisher, who has revealed the title of the sixth book, which translates as... Harry Potter and the Enigma of the Prince. J.K. Rowling was presented with a number of titles and chose this one herself. The book is due out on November 26th. That's all the news from our new center in New York for this October 23rd, 2005 edition of MobileCast. Back to you guys. Thank you, Micah. Is he not there? I don't think so. I don't think he is. No. Okay. I think he's locked up in the transcript him, dungeon this time. I don't want him to surprise me ever again. Yeah, he he had fun with that last transcript. <laughs> yes, yes he did. 
So before we move on to anything else, first, Kristen, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am currently a substitute teacher at Hoffman Lane Elementary School, and I have substituted from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade, and I'm fixing to start a short-term position in computers for kindergarten through sixth grade. So I'm really excited. (laughs) Um, That's great. And you're really into Harry Potter, too? Yes, I first started reading it uh, because I had a younger cousin. He's about eight years younger than me. And he didn't have anyone who would read it with him. And he got a game for Christmas. So I started reading it so I could play the game with him. And I really enjoyed it. And then I went out and got one of those Wizarding World press books and started reading through it and figured out that it's a lot more than just a kid's book. She goes into such detail that you can really read it tons of times and still find something interesting and new. Yeah, that's so true. So thanks for coming on today, and we're sure you'll do a great job. Now let's move on to a couple of announcements first. You might notice that Ben once again isn't with us this week. Yeah. Oh, I'm... What a shame. I'm so disappointed. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess we... Okay, so, <laughs> so um, other he's things, not here. Yeah. And then Eric was also going to be here this week, but he had some recording difficulties. He may still join us. He may get in, but... But no guarantees. Yes. Don't put your hopes up. Um, I also do want to say something. I've been getting... I got an email from someone, um, Brian... Asking us permission to use the, the uh, podcast in his English class. No. No? <laughs> I didn't think no. so. I thought it would be... It's no. unacceptable. That's so mean. You should do anything for no teaching. Way. Come on. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so Brian... Oh, I shouldn't say that in front of a teacher, should I? <laughs> <laughs> no. Trust uh, me, we've heard it all before. So, um, Brian Carr, yes, you have our permission. Have fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and Andrew, you what grade does he teach? He ta- teaches eighth grade language arts. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Must be and, fun. And what does what is he going to use our thing for? Um, he's he doesn't say. Um, he sent in a a voice clip, but asking permission, but I wasn't able to open it. So. Oh. Maybe yeah. illusions. That's real popular. And he does have a class website though. He did mention that. Let's not plug it because I don't want. Yeah, to I don't want to kill <laughs> kill the yeah. school website. That would be bad. <laughs> Maybe say it one time really, really fast, so only a few people can. Go uh, I don't think so. I'll just <laughs> because they'll slow our voices down. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's great. Sure, anyone can use our podcast, even you, Kristen. Yeah. Well, thank you. Although, yeah, anytime. <laughs> So moving on, we also have a New York City update. Yes, we actually, do. Actually, no, actually, we really don't. Is it official oh, yet? Oh, yes, we do. Is it official yet that we've moved? Here's something official. Kevin bought his his uh, <laughs> train ticket. Yes, I did. Whatever you bought. I did. <laughs> so we know you're going. Yes, at the cost of, what, 53 bucks. Cool, cool. <laughs> it's not bad at all. Better than gas. <laughs> yeah. 53 bucks. Uh, yeah, it's cheap. I can take a train for 15 bucks. Oh yeah! Thanks a lot, Andrew. Make me feel better about myself, <laughs> Mr. New iPod over there. for like seven fifty. <laughs> well, I was trying to get Andrew to buy my plane ticket, but he wouldn't have it. Yeah. 
He God, said flying Andrew, from Connecticut that's to so you're so you're so cheap. <laughs> no he comment. Is. God. I mean, also, here's the real announcement. No, Kevin, nobody cares <laughs> that you're coming down. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was Sorry. mean. Uh, that was mean. Sure they care. No, nobody I'm would sorry. care if I was coming. Okay. They, they probably but also, here's... But, but, but see, the thing is, I'm bigger than you, Andrew. And I'm going to be seeing you live in New York. <laughs> exactly. But whether the fans Ooh. will be seeing you after I see you is the question. <laughs> so, the real you announcement... Like I'm afraid. <laughs> the real announcement you is be that... Afraid. <laughs> Barnes & Noble, the bookstore that will be hosting us while we're up there. Originally, we were at whatever bookstore we were Street. at. Ah, it was, what, Broadway and 20th Broadway and 20th, yeah. But, however, uh, Barnes & Noble contacted us the other day and told us, um, <coughs> um, we're not going to be able to hold everyone. So, therefore... Really? Yes. <laughs> therefore... No surprise to us. We are moving everyone to my house. No, just kidding. We're going to move <laughs> nice. because so we're a bigger Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah, we've been moved to a bigger Barnes and Noble at 14th Street, Union Square, still in New York City. A few extra blocks, but that's okay. Everyone's taking a cab anyway. It's going to be at a bigger Barnes and Noble. We're going to be able to hold like tr- double or triple the amount of people, and um, we're really happy about this. You know, it's a bad sign when Barnes and Noble calls you and says. Uh, we have to kick you out and move you into a bigger one of our stores. <laughs> That's a good sign. Yeah, I oh, guess so. and Eric is back, so I'm going to invite him in now. Uh, Cross your fingers, uh, everyone. <laughs> this show was going so well. So well. <laughs> okay. Eric. Yes. Are you with us? I am fine. Great. <laughs> and Yay! Fine. Yay! We, we, we were just telling everyone about how Barnes & Noble had to move us because we had too many people coming. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, so. We kid you not. Where are we now? So, once once again... Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Once again, our new place is at... Da, 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 14th Street, Union Square in New York City. There's going to be lots more room. Uh, we're going to be able to run our voices through the entire store to annoy all the people who are there for actual work. And it's just going to be a great time. And don't forget, you can always RSVP by emailing hplive at gmail.com. However, that does not guarantee you a spot at the show. It just gives us an idea of how many people are coming. And hopefully with this larger uh, larger pl- venue, we can actually hold quite a bit more of you. <laughs> It's going to be about 300 to 400 we can hold now. But then there's plenty of standing room, too. That's good. So Neat. Yeah, it's nothing. I talk to 70,000 a week. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on, also, um, we'd like to cheaply and shamelessly remind you to vote for us at podcastalley.com and rate, review, and tag over at Yahoo Podcasts. And also, we have to remind you to not vote for the Leaky Cauldron. You know, their <laughs> podcast is just horrible. They shouldn't be on the air. And uh, so don't even don't even vote for them, please. Aren't they going to be with you in New York? Um, the reason Kevin brings this up... The reason Kevin brings this up is because they thought they were all cool that they could use my voice to promote their show by taking my shameless uh, 
plea for votes last week and turning it into their own. And actually, I have to admit, I do sound a lot better on Pottercast. My voice is a lot more, just just a lot better. Hey now, I feel insulted. So, uh, you go join Muggle uh, Pottercast then, Andrew. I think I yeah, will. Fine, <laughs> traitor. Editor. Um, Kevin. Yeah, I can do the editing. Yeah. <laughs> But I haven't let Andrew know yet, so I don't have to do any. (laughs) It wouldn't be another MuggleCast if we didn't have another contest. And this one is for all of you LEGO fans. You might remember that a few shows ago, I sat down with Joe Fulton of MillionairePlayBoy.com where we discussed the Harry Potter LEGO sets, and now we have a big contest announcement, so take a listen. All right, we're joined once again by Joe Fulton of MillionairePlayboy.com. He made an appearance on the show a couple episodes ago where you gave us a sneak peek and a very good review about the new Harry Potter Lego sets. That's right, and uh, hello again to everybody in the Harry Potter world. Uh, Yeah, we got such a great response uh, from your listeners uh, about the reviews and even about the Lego sets that I... I was contacted by Lego who asked, can you guys give, do some kind of giveaway uh, for the Lego sets for the Goblet of Fire sets? So that's why uh, I'm back on the show today. Yeah, so we have a big contest announcement. And this is good timing because a lot of people lately have been asking for a new contest. So this works out good. Now, what are the, what is the contest all about, Joe? All right, the contest is the Harry Potter Lego Custom Contest Brought to you by MillionairePlayboy.com and MuggleNet.com. Here's what you're going to have to do. We want you to be recreate and photograph a scene from Book 6 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince using Legos. And the most creative person will win two different Lego sets. The Graveyard Set and the Harry and the Horntail. Excellent. Now... We have some rules. You're going to be able to see all the information if you go to MillionairePlayboy.com and look right there in the center under Feature Articles, and you will see a link to uh, the page. But here are the rules. First, you can enter as many entries as you like. We want, to mo- we want people to be creative. So if you have a, different, a bunch of different ideas, put them together and send them. Second... The photo must be a JPEG submitted by email to my email address, which is ldp at millionaireplayboy.com, along with the title of your picture, a description of the scene, and your name. Now, all you know, my, the, again, the email address is on that page, so you don't have to sit and memorize it. Uh, but please send me a little bit of a description of the scene, because I may not know exactly what the photograph is supposed to represent. Uh, third, you must use Lego bricks, minifigures, or anything from Lego to in the design to qualify for entry. So something of Lego must be present, which brings me to rule number five, four, which is you're allowed to use other items as long with that, as long as you use something from Legos in the design. Fifth, the scene must be specifically from book six. Don't try to give me a Goblet of Fire set or, you know, even doing uh, from book five. Uh, It must be from book six. All the entries are due by November 4th. If you don't get them in before that, you can't be counted. 
The winner will be announced right here on the MuggleNet Podcast, episode 15, which debuts November 13th. And which is also our live podcast. Yep. So we'll be doing it in front of a live audience. Yep. Maybe you'll be there. Maybe the winner will be there. No, hopefully. Maybe I mean, uh, but that, that it'll be a, I think it's a great opportunity for creative people, Harry Potter fans, to really give us something great to, uh, and they can win some great Lego prizes. All right, thanks, Joe. So once again, the deadline is November 4th. The winners will be announced the weekend of uh, the Goblet of Fire domestic premiere, which will be probably November 13th. Thanks for joining us, Joe, and we'll be talking to you again soon. Oh, thanks, for, thanks for having me. And if you have any questions or anything, go to millionaireplayboy.com. Uh, and I will assume that MuggleNet will probably also have a link to the article as well. Yes, and the and the email address. Yep. So all you have to do is go to our show notes page, and we'll have the email address there. Great. Well, good luck to everyone. Now, before we do anything else, let's get to our regular segments that really make this show shine each and every week. Taking the world by storm, Spy on Sparts. This week, Emerson Sparts was at home. Oh, where is he? Woohoo! That's all I have to say because. <laughs> Section. There is. He's not online. So, tune in this week for another exciting edition of Spy on Sparts. <laughs> I have a feeling like they're getting worse and worse They each are getting week. less exciting. Oh, oh, yeah. here, I have a Spy on Sparts clue. Or, or a tidbit thing. Emerson's... Everyone turn their mics up. I can't say this too loud, because I don't want many people to hear it. Emerson Sparts will be doing a podcast soon. There's my phone. <laughs> and you were lecturing me to turn mine off. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> Hurry up. Andrew. We don't have that much time. Hurry. Okay. You're the reason no, we're lagging, man. You, you're in your I know. Office. Sorry. Well, I'm leaving anyway. So For this week's Andrew's Listener Challenge, I'm still going to pose the same challenge to you, which is dress up as one of us or a Harry Potter character for Halloween. Extra points as you dress up, if you dress up as one of us because... Anyone can dress up as a Harry Potter ca- character. But if you dress up as one of us, nobody is going to know who you are. So you got to really have some, and that's some strength. Actually, one girl who emailed me said she was going to wear a sign that says, I'm Laura Thompson from MuggleCast. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I thought that's that was dangerous. brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. We have another extended remix for you this week. It's a little bit longer, so we'll only air one. And once again, you can send all of your challenge entries to challenge at staff dot mugglenet dot com now let's get on to the main topic of the week continuing our regular series on a specific harry potter character because you know what guys there's so many characters that if we just do one every show we'll be good for about mm, three years so this is this is a safe topic <laughs> it is but of course we will be yeah. switching it up but for and immediately after that we will be so screwed yeah. So we will be doing this. We will be doing quite a few of these. And I think these are turning out really good because it gives everyone a great look at one specific character and we could just focus on one steady topic. So this week's character is Sirius Black. Are you that serious? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Kevin? That was worse than uh, my Avada Kedavra. Hey, I try. 
Laura, your Avada Kedavra joke is taking the world by storm. Mark my words. I, I saw that. I saw that. People in the comments were quite amused by that. Um, yeah, so let's get on to the main topic. Do you think Sirius is dead? Yeah, uh, I really do. I do, too. I uh, he's, yeah. he's a god. I, I held out hope, but then uh, after this last book, I've kind of yeah. kind of let that fall by the wayside. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's... They had that interview with uh, J.K. Rowling right. saying that she was crying over the death. Yeah, in the kitchen and, and Neil. Yeah, and I don't think that she would be crying if he was still alive. You know, she doesn't. She's she doesn't seem like the uh, author to kill someone off and not mean it. Yeah, yeah and, and didn't like she say he was the fans? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And same thing with it goes for like Dumbledore. I mean, I don't think Sirius or Dumbledore's are still alive. Yeah, same. But, yeah. but once again, I mean, I, I can't really emphasize it enough. Does that mean that they're gone? Even though they're dead, they don't have to be gone. They, we might see them again, but, you know, I think as far we, as... Well, no, it's a constant... I think, the most, I think the most we'll see is, like, a tidbit left behind by them, but yeah. not not anything larger than that. You know, I have Although I do feel like there's going to be something very personal for Harry yeah. to discover that Sirius or Dumbledore left behind for him. Yeah, I, yeah. I have to I also think it's more of a symbolic thing, like what Dumbledore was saying, that he would never truly be gone as long as those at Hogwarts were still faithful to him. So I think that um, that's how characters like Sirius and Dumbledore do live on in a way in the series is because people that they left behind still love them and care about them and well those those who love never those those we love never truly leave us exactly and, and it affects uh, it affects the way they behave too because like with Harry thinking back about you know what's happened to Sirius and what's happened to Dumbledore it's just going to give him more fire to go on and exactly. yeah I was just going to say that I mean she always mentioned Sirius throughout the books even though he's gone. Yeah, he was Sirius was mentioned in the beginning of the first book too. He was he was there, you know. Hagrid said that he borrowed his bike from uh from him. He told McGonagall yep. dumb. So he's been there. I mean Sirius I thought that was particularly cool because like he's he's always in the background or he's he, he existed there. He was like the, one of the first few characters she introduced and mm-hmm. I mean that's next to Dumbledore. You know, Dumbledore was the first character, I guess, or next to McGonagall and stuff. So, yep. I think that's all he could have possibly right. hoped. For. Now, now, what do you guys think about Sirius's purpose in the books? Do you think that he had a purpose, and if so, what was it, and did he fulfill it? Like as a character, I mean, hmm. the sense of a character. I think. I think he... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no. You... Okay. Um, <laughs> I think he existed because, if you realize in the in the third book, it was mainly devoted to the love of Harry for his family and for his past and for his father and for his father's friends. I think that's a tremendous part of the third book. Uh, Obviously not the movie, but the third book had a lot... I mean, with the Marauders and everything, the whole book is really about Harry's friends, Harry's parents' friends, and what they did at Hogwarts. So I think Sirius really existed, um, especially at the end, to kind of give Harry a sense of, of family and closure and, you know, the whole going to live with Sirius thing. And, you know, it, it's really a shame that it all goes to hell because 
you really get this tremendous sense of of what a great guy and what a great father Sirius could be, and and you know the the love that he had for for James Potter and the one and the one that has passed on now to Harry. Now, now, do you think he would have been a good father? Because that I've seen quite a bit of debate about because of his um, tendency of his immaturity being reckless. Well, you're right, and that's. I mean, I I think that's the, he was. You're, he seemed like a good friend. Yeah, right. But right, exactly. As a father figure, I don't think he was the best. I know, Kevin, and that that's exactly what she then later developed in in book five, yeah. Uh, with him, you know, treating Harry like James, and that he's not James, and you know, you know, all that stuff with with Molly and things. So I think, I mean, one my favorite thing about Sirius, I would have to say, is that he is flawed, and is that he's you know you know he's Human? very. He's he's human. He's flawed. He's human, and he's tragically misunderstood. You know, throughout the whole third book, we're going through and you know thinking that he's this demented murderer, w- when in fact it's completely the opposite. Right. Well, he still is demented, but yeah. <laughs> I love I love his loyalty ha- because that's true. Yeah, I started going through the books and looking at the things, and if you look at his actions, if you don't understand the underlying meanings behind the actions the reasons that he was doing those things, you can see him as a horrible person. But when you start looking into it, you can interpret almost everything that he did as loyalty. You and know, love. even yeah, and love. And so Yeah, Kristen, even that even when he admitted he admitted to Harry, remember that at first he said, you know, I as good as killed them. He told yeah. Harry, you know, but before he clarified himself it was like, Yes, I killed them, Harry and Harry was ready to beat him up or whatever. But mm-hmm. he was so truthful and so, you know, he was he felt so guilty over what had happened. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know. That- and I think that, that that's one of the flaws in his personality that made him uh, so reckless. Mm-hmm. He tended to blame himself for things right. and yeah. felt responsible to, you know, address them and to fix them. But that's the thing. That's That's what I saw, a parallel between myself or possibly, you know, people in general. And serious, you know, because I think a lot of people do dabble in in measures they shouldn't and in have good intentions going in. Well, and if you can look back, and when he went after Wormtail, um, you know, I kind of looked at that and went, "Hmm, is that just revenge or what's going on here?" And I thought, you know, with someone who is as loyal as Sirius, you know, he could have even seen it as something that he had to do for James and Lily. Not just for him. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Well, I have a question. Sure. Um, uh, Laura, you, uh, sorry, you can talk. To me. I just have one, <laughs> one quick question. Totally cool. Do you do you guys think that the uh, do you guys think that the wizarding community has a double jeopardy law? Hmm. <laughs> could could he, <laughs> could he kill Pettigrew again and get rid of? Um, I find it, it highly doubtful. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> I yeah. find it highly <laughs> doubtful. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's probably stupid anyway because he needed Pettigrew alive to prove his, his innocence. But okay, Laura, what were you going to say? <laughs> All right, um, I like what you guys have to say about him. I think you raised several very good points. Um, first, uh, on to Sirius's purpose in the series. I think that um, he really did fulfill his purpose, which I think was to serve as a driving force for Harry to motivate him to defeat Voldemort because as you can see in the series up until the point until Sirius dies his focus is Voldemort strictly Voldemort after Sirius's death 
as it wasn't Voldemort that killed Sirius, it was Bellatrix, you see more of a broadened view of Voldemort is not the only evil person here. There are people willing, waiting to step up and take his place, people who would love to stand in his shoes if he were to go away. So I think that Harry sees it is more of a general goal now that he needs to get rid of Voldemort and he needs to get rid of these followers because they are just as dangerous. See, I, I think that's exactly what his purpose was. It was bringing the battle to Harry on a personal level. Right. When Harry's parents died, he didn't know his parents. He just knew that his parents died. And although that may seem like it's a very personal thing to someone, if you're an infant and your parents die and you grow up, you're really, you really never knew your parents. You don't know what you're If you missing. knew who killed them, you'd be mad at them. But you never truly knew them as people. And the difference was with Sirius was he got to know this man, and then the man was taken from him. Really, and it yeah. made that battle with Voldemort that much more personal. You exactly. know, it, it made it so that it came into focus for him, and he had to say to himself, "Wow, this is really what my life is." You know. Exactly. It made him more focused. I think. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, Not only against that's, that's um, definitely Voldemort, as you said, but the Death Eaters as well. Yeah. Um. I think Bellatrix is probably going to be Neville's to take care of, which is cool. I want him oh, to I'd finish love that. her off. Yeah. Or do something I'd with her. I'd love I want to him watch him finish her off. I want him <laughs> to oh, confront her. her. Yeah, I want him to confront her, but um I don't also, think I th- he'll I don't think he'll confront her. I think he's going to kill her. <laughs> well, to be I, honest. I don't know. Ne- Neville I'll I mean, be rejoicing we'd like when to see happens. We'd like to see Neville Neville uh, take her down, but uh you know, because she's clearly, clearly an evil person. But this isn't the Bellatrix cast, so back to Sirius. <laughs> yeah, um, I, agree with, I, I agree with Did you purpose. guys have a problem with the way Sirius died? I, it just was so harsh to me, him just falling through the veil, no closure See, at all. I th- yeah, but I think that's why she did it, because it wasn't only no yeah. closure for us, it was no closure for Harry. Because uh-huh. in an instant, he was gone. Yeah. Exactly. They're... they're he had no time for Sirius to be wounded and dying or Sirius to have last words. He just died. And I, the, uh, and I think she did that for a purpose. And it was to make complete. it so that he was torn from Harry and made, you know, Harry realize what was going on. Something that that JKR has always um has always stressed is that she thinks that children are greatly underestimated. And a lot of the time when you see death in something that is considered a children's book, uh, you see people trying to create closure so that, so, so that they don't disturb children. But I think that she's really trying to put across the fact that life is short. Life can be taken away very easily in the space of a second. And she's trying to put across that kids can take this, kids and adults alike. I think that that was a big part of it. Yeah, and kids definitely. don't get closure. They don't always get to say goodbye. Just exactly. like adults. Most times they don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, which is. And I think that she was trying to tune the audience into the uh, harsh sense of reality. You know, it's like. Well, it's not all a fantasy world. It's not all spells and magic. magic? No, exactly. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it when people say, you know, treat Harry as some silly fantasy novel because it's not. I mean, it's it's allegories and it's it's parallels are tremendous. You know, corruption in government, and and like what you were talking about about the the whole death and and having no time. 
that's a complete moment of dramatic irony when, you know, there's no time for Harry to say goodbye to Sirius when right next door is the time room with all the time turners. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how that's a slap in the face. Yeah, you know, definitely, yeah. definitely. It, not not to mention that the he didn't even know what the veil was. It was sort of like exactly yeah. what goes on when um, a family loses someone close and they have to explain it to the child. Yeah, the child doesn't the child, understand. I mean, right. Harry had no clue about the veil. Exactly. Harry had no idea how the veil worked. All he was told was, he's dead. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's not he's coming back. He's... And even to to this day, we still don't know what the veil is and what its purpose is. Which... And I think that's very important in the series because I think we're going to find out what its purpose yeah, is. Yeah, that right. surprised me in book six that he didn't... That, that J.K.R. really didn't focus at all on the Ministry of Magic, be, like actually the place or the Department of Myst- uh, Mysteries. I think she did that purposely, mm-hmm. though. I know, yeah. I think so, too, and I be- agree with because you. Because it, it makes I, it so that there, there was one thing about that whole scene that was very important, and that was the, the fact that she mentioned that room that Harry could not get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which- and... What happens is is if she brought it up in book six, we all know that something in the Department of Ministry, you know, the Ministry of Magic and stuff, mm-hmm. we know something's going to happen there. Something has to happen there. That's true. And the fact that she didn't bring attention to it this time shows that she's trying to divert your attention from it so that you don't have any suspicions about it for next book. Well, you know what I mean? I also think, I mean, this book is really the reason that I stopped wanting Sirius to come back. I mean, I still want him to, but I stopped holding out that hope. Because yes, yeah. if he was going to, you know, he would you have been mentioned. Might have, yeah. Something would have happened with him. Definitely. It, Although she does continue to bring up his name throughout the book as sort of a... Uh, inspiration? You know, a, inspiration for Harry yeah. exactly which was cool I think and last week well last week I said about the whole Tonks thing how I didn't really get it but just the fact that Harry thought she was upset about Sirius really did bring more bring Sirius up again so right that was a purpose I mean that that helped. well the question that I was left at after book five finished was what is going to happen with Sirius you know with Luna talking about you know hearing the voices and things like that it really was something that gave me something to hold on to and with it not being addressed in this book you know I always um I always thought of that as being um when you die you have the choice to come back in ghost form like uh nearly headless nick said or you have the choice to go on and I think that was more meant to show that when Harry goes on he's going to be reunited with these people but not until it's time well, it also showed that um, because Sirius didn't come back as a ghost, he had nothing to hold him to the earth. You know, he he had nothing, no regrets. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I could see him potentially um, staying for Harry, but I think Sirius would look at that and realize that that's not what Harry would need because... When you look at Sirius, you see a lot of erratic behavior, and you see a lot of um, leaping before he looks. 
and that it ten it it has caused some very serious and damaging effects as we've seen because he shouldn't have gone to the Department of Mysteries. Um, however, I think that something as serious as Harry Actually, having to fight Voldemort on his own, I think Sirius would realize that he need to go on and be with Harry later. Yep. I also think that he well, recognized Harry's maturity. Exactly. He knew that Harry was... I mean, Harry acts well above his age because he's been forced to. Mm-hmm. The events in his life right. have forced him to... Mature quickly. ...jump out of, um, you know, that teenage stage very early and into maturity. I mean, look at what he's facing now. Oh, God, it's crazy. But at the same time, I think that the main purpose of Sirius and even Dumbledore was to make it so that Harry had a drive. You know, Harry has every purpose in the world and every um, reason in the world to kill Voldemort. Every reason. And I think it just makes it so that it's when he gets there, he's going to be faced with a choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't... To be honest, I don't see Harry killing Voldemort flat out, like in cold blood. Even if Voldemort was defen- defenseless, I doubt he would. I think it's you know, going to be more person. personal than that. I really exactly. do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, with what Luna said after finally reading this book, um, what I kind of thought was she she started talking about you know she always loses things but they always come back, and I think. Sirius really did come back in this book that way. I mean, Harry still had him. He hadn't lost him. And you know what's cool? Um, Sirius is... You know, the, Sirius put Harry in his will and, you know, gave him Grimmauld Place and Creature and stuff, which... And, you know, Creature, to an extent, I guess is arguable whether or not he helped Harry in book six, but the very... I, I think it's very mature for Sirius to have done that because if if he had prepared a will, he kind of figured that the end might be near for him and when Sirius was sitting, you know, rotting in Grimald Place, you know, bitter about everything, bitter about life, bitter about not being able to be with Harry, I think he finally realized that um you know, Harry would have to go it alone and he would have to so Sirius kinda of took a responsibility role and and thought things ahead and really prepared you know, Harry, he get, he prepared to give Harry Grimmauld Place and Creature and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's really, like, kind of redeeming quality. Because, yes, he does act before he thinks, but this clearly was something that he planned ahead and was very good about. Now, now were you surprised by the uh, lack of personal, um, personal letter or... You know, something left behind by Sirius to talk to Harry. No, you know what I mean. The ser- mm-hmm. the two way mirror that that ticked me off. Harry just smashed it, didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah. yes. Yeah, but it, that that ticked a lot of people. Oh, off. I was <laughs> so well, mad. That, it should have ticked a lot of people off. I mean, there's that. That's more irony. That's more like the answer was right there, and Harry didn't use it, and Harry didn't think oh. about it. It was like no, I. But imagine that how book mad. Shut. I was so mad. <laughs> Imagine how mad Harry had to be. I mean, you know, people get angry whenever they don't understand things like death. You know, that's one of the things that, that people do is they'll get angry at, you know, the universe for whatever happened because they don't understand it. And I think that's what Harry was doing. And it, it was it was a way of forcing Harry to see that 
everything isn't perfect and he doesn't think about everything. You know, he can't can't always be the Even person he was... who saves the day. There's sometimes when he is forced to ex- you know accept reality and realize that he can't do everything. You know. Yeah, he can't save everyone. Exactly. Even though he was ticked off, and I think that mirror was. He was ticked off with that. the world. I think he was ticked off with the world long before he discovered that death wasn't happy. But <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, um, the purpose of I, I mean, I I like it. I agree with you that that the purpose of Sirius going back to that was you you know I th- was to empower Harry. I think that's more the purpose of his death. As I was trying to say earlier, he does also serve as a connection to Harry's past, which did not previously exist. And I I mean, it's important I think to mention Lupin as well right here because Sirius and Lupin really did bring the perspective thing to Harry and in book five after the Snape pensive scene he confronts you know you know Harry and Lupin about his father and they say yes Harry you know he did make mistakes he was an arrogant person and so he's able to converse with them and find out all this stuff about his past through Sirius and Lupin and I think that's important you know because he was really worried about his father there and I think Lupin still being alive for now uh is going to be, I think, is going to help him with more stuff uh, about his past in the future. Okay, so do you think that covers every aspect of Sirius we can think about? No, we should talk about more, I think. <laughs> uh, should... Actually, <laughs> I did have a question for you guys. Um, sure. We've seen several death clues, especially throughout Book 5, that Sirius was going to die, but I think that there was more to it than that. I think that we... that. JKR was beginning to show us um, that Sirius was going to die from the end of book three. I really think that his erratic behavior, examples being Harry not wanting to tell him that he had been uh, entered into the Triwizard Tournament because he knew that Sirius came back to England over his scar, and I believe the exact quote was, he'll come bursting through the doors of the Great Hall if he finds out about this. Do you think that we've... it's been there, we haven't really seen it, but it's been there that Sirius was going to do something that would end up resulting in his death because he wasn't thinking clearly or yes thinking no. far enough ahead. Well, I think yes and no, um, because Dumbledore, because of Dumbledore's death, um, we've seen that Sirius, yes, his erratic behavior did get him killed, arguably, but Dumbledore is the one person who thinks everything out and can get away out of everything, and even he died. Right, so, right. I mean, I, I, so I don't think it's like, you know, I mean, in a way, yes, Sirius was arguably, again, bound to die because of his erratic behavior and bound to get into trouble, but Dumbledore also died, and that's really a shame. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like no one, no one is safe, that. whether you're organized or unorganized or... Uh, Whatever you know, skills you have. No right. one is safe. What about the Animagi and the whole history of of um, of that whole thing at Hogwarts? Like the Marauders as children and, and Sirius, you know what? I, I was very surprised that Harry didn't investigate that more in Book Six. Yeah, I was very very surprised mm-hmm. because I would think that like Harry really looked up to Sirius, and I think that he would learn how to, that skill and how to morph like that just to 
mirror his mentor, you know, his fallen mentor. And I was very, very surprised that he didn't. I would at least think that he'd want to research it. Maybe not yeah. necessarily pursue it, but definitely look into it a little bit. Well, one he of the might. trend things with yeah with the deaths in uh, the the Harry Potter books, the trend I noticed between Sirius's death and Dumbledore's death um, was that in, you know in book five we really got to know Sirius even more than we had before. I mean, we we did have him. A lot more in Goblet of Fire than he will be in the movie, unfortunately, but they have to make cuts. It's understandable. But we found out all about his family and all about the, the you know, the whole noble ancient House of Black, the whole family tree, which was important pure blood information for the future. And we got to spend time with Sirius. We got to understand that he wasn't really happy where he was alive. And we found out all the stuff about him, and then he died. She took him away from us. Now, similarly, with Dumbledore in Book 6, we had the meetings, you know, between Harry and Dumbledore, where Dumbledore kind of set Harry up for the stuff he'd need to know in the future about Pure Bloods and Voldemort, and then she took him away from us. And so I think it's an interesting con- It's an interesting kind of pattern. Um, well, Lisa, well, I did think... Did you guys it, notice that? I, mean, I think, again, that Dumbledore served his purpose, and however sad it is to say it, we don't need him anymore. I still maintain that he's going to, uh, I th- going to be at least he must have left at least some clue for Harry to teach himself. Yeah. The whole thing that's bothering me about the whole Dumbledore situation is that he, you know. He left Harry without a trace, you know? And I think that there must be something... Just like I think in Sirius's case, I think that there's more to the death of the character than just their death. I think that maybe each of them left something behind for Harry. Right. And I believe that they'll serve their purpose in Book 7 in leading Harry on the right track. And I like that. I like it because it also says what J.K.R. has, I think, tried to say, which was that even in death, you know, people are still useful and people can still help. And, you know, even the memory alone of people can help serve things. Right. Um, One other thing, if everybody's done and does before we move on, um, Sirius said he grew up practically under the Potter's roof, under James's roof, you know, always hanging out with James and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have any thoughts on that, comments? Kind of like Harry well, and Ron. Yeah. Definitely. It was yeah. Def- yeah, it's definitely the idea of if you have an unsuitable family that you can find shelter in someone else's family. Well, I think it was also a uh, attempt by J.K. Rowling to mirror Harry with Sirius. Yeah. She was making a connection because Sirius always was over the Potter's house, but Harry is over the Weasley's house. It was sort of like a low-level connection to the two characters. Yeah, the Potters basically adopted Sirius the same way the Weasleys have adopted Harry. Exactly, because of circumstance. And not only that, but if you look at Sirius with his background, the, uh, you know, he would have been welcomed into Slytherin into those circles. I mean, I know not all Slytherins are bad, but the ones that were, you know, he would have been welcomed into that, just like 
Harry was welcomed by Draco, and they both made decisions that that wasn't who they were. And I think that's one of the best things about him. That That's why everybody, you know, actually ended up believing that he was truly a Voldemort supporter in the end. At least the people who knew that it was Sirius Black who, you know... Well, everybody knew, I guess, that he attacked Peter Pettigrew. But what I'm saying is I think that's what made it easier to believe for some people that he could have been working for Voldemort. Because he was, he was, you know, a harsh person. He, he was, he, he was sporadic. He, you know, he was, I mean... Reckless. In Prisoner of Azkaban, the movie, he said uh, that one once or twice they thought of making the uh, the padfoot transformation permanent. You know, I mean, he's a dog. He's, <laughs> he's a scavenger. Mm-hmm. He's you know he's got that personality for for bad stuff. He just chooses not to use it. Well, and see, dogs remind me of loyalty anyway. Yeah, you know, isn't that Man's the one quality friend. you really think of when you think of a dog? Is loyalty? Yep. So. Exactly. I've I've got an interesting parallel that I want to know what y'all think. Um, With Sirius and Snape, most people who like one don't like the other one that much, which is understandable because they didn't like each other. I love both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I said most people, not all people. (laughs) Wait, Um, Sirius and Snape. Oh, I like both. I really do like both. I think it's very important because they are both... I see them similar. And even though they're they're enemies, I think Snape does care about Harry in a way. As much as he detests him, both of that when they were going at it for, about you know Sirius's uh, about I'm sorry about Harry's occlumency lessons and all this stuff. Even though even though they hate each other, I think there's completely like a I don't know. It's it's like the hate love <laughs> thing. Like they hate each other as much as they depend on each other because Sirius had to depend on Dumbledore and Snape to teach Harry correctly and, and instruct him and help him out at Hogwarts because Sirius had to stay behind a Grimwald place. I mean, I, I think it's one of those situations. Yeah. So what my thing is, is that, um, you know, everyone thought that Sirius was a spy, just like now everything, everyone thinks that Snape is a spy. And the ones who trusted Sirius, um, they were the ones who were murdered, and it appeared that Sirius murdered them. Just like with Snape, the one who trusted him, Dumbledore, who convinced everyone else to trust him, was killed, and, you know, Snape was the one who did it, so. That is interesting. And then they both seemed to run away. And honestly... Yeah, but I, I still think that there's something behind Snape that we haven't seen before. Same. Or, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I... I mean, even this is another clue that it, Snape doesn't necessarily have to be evil. I mean, well, because like Sirius, everyone thought that he was, but he I, wasn't. I know what you mean. One of the, th- I guess since we're talking about Grimmauld Place, I can sneak this in. I know it's not Snape cast. I apologize. But <laughs> um, the book five was another book where, I mean, I, I said book six was it, but book five also, we don't get a lot of Snape at all. I mean, I suppose there was a little bit more in Book 5 because Book 5 is a longer book. But between Book 5 and 6, we don't really know at all yet, even now in Book 6 or in Book 5, what Snape is doing. And I think that just draws more suspicion or draws more... It gives us less to use as conviction for him being evil. Mm-hmm. So, Especially at the end when uh, 
when he was still teaching him not to say spells exactly. out loud. And so yeah, serious, that struck me as really odd. You know, and so he, he was, really comes across as a serious type character for uh, Snape. I mean, because even though he detests him, he can still teach him and still tell him, you know, what he what he needs to do. Yeah, but you sort of have to remember that with the lack of serious, I think that some of the hatred went away from Snape, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because Sirius you died. You know yeah. what I mean? So it, it's sort of like, why continue hating someone even when they're dead? Because exactly. they're dead. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and even when and he he's hated, not still calling him names. <laughs> exactly. He's not calling him snivelly all the time, you know. Right. <laughs> That's a plus. So, yeah, I mean, James and Sirius, who... You know, if you realize in book three, McGonagall called them, you know, the ragtag, the ragtag duo. They would give the Weasley twins a run for their money, Sirius and James. You know, and I think those two, I guess they were the highest in power. You know, um, I'm sure Lu- you know Lupin was in there, but I think Snape was probably picked on most by James, and se- secondly by Sner- Sirius. You know, he's not afraid to call him Snivellus. So with James dead. Uh, thanks to Snape, in a way, and with Sirius dead, um, thanks to Snape's uh, inability to properly teach Harry a clumacy, which is actually Harry's fault. But with the two lead contenders dead, I don't think Snape has much to go on to hate Harry anymore. You know, for mm-hmm. he can't mm-hmm. blame him for ha- hanging around with Sirius because Sirius is dead. And he has to stuff. look at him for himself, not not for who his parents were and right. his godfather. I'm sorry, can I... Does anybody get the parallel of the Beatles when they think of the Marauders? Maybe it's just me, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking John and Paul, right? And then you got Ringo, who's Pettigrew, right? Because, like, okay, you know, okay, you know okay. and, and, and George Harrison is, is, is Lupin. Lupin is George. Oh. You ever get that? Anybody ever think that? I can honestly say I've never thought yeah, that before. Yeah, me either, but that is um, interesting. Yeah, just think of it, because, like, one I will never... Ones. Think of the Marauders the same when I listen to Yellow Submarine <laughs> from now on. Okay. <laughs> hey, Harry. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, if we've covered all the topics, i serious. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Guys, okay. guys, guys. Let's guys, <laughs> guys, Kevin. Avada, yeah. Kavada, life stops here. Woo! Life stops here. Okay. So, on to voicemails. We only have a couple voicemails this time because we don't want to make this show too long. Hey, MuggleCast, this is Angelica from Toronto, Canada. Eh? Okay, here's my question. But first, I'm fluent in French and I cringed every time the mispronunciation of Beaubaton was used. So, no more Beau Baxton's, Andrew. Anyways, if Voldemort <laughs> didn't know that Lucius had released the diary in Hogwarts and didn't know that it was destroyed, wouldn't it mean that if the memory had survived, there would be two Voldies? Just wanted to hear your thoughts. Bye. I do want to mention that this question has already been answered on J.K. Rowling's own site, but if you read her response, she sort of dodged the answer. She said, and I quote, I can't answer that fully until all seven books are finished, but it would have strengthened the present-day Voldemort considerably. Now, knowing J.K. Rowling's own response, what do you guys think would have happened if the diary had survived? Great question. Uh, 
First of all, I would just want to announce right now I'm going to make a remix of Andrew going Bo, Bo Baxton's. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna, it's going to be three three minutes of him saying Bo Baxton's to like a really catchy beat. I'm going to work on that, get that out. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, to the question, I uh, I think it's very interesting, and I think it's all about the power of the Horcruxes. You know, Horcrux power. It's can a seventh of one's soul manifest itself into a full being? And the answer, I guess, has to is it's looking like yes, because the diary was taking its power from Ginny, and and Tom could become a separate person, and that's scary, because if a Horcrux can stand on itself and drain power from other people, if Harry is a Horcrux, can it drain on him? You know, and if other things like that. So. Well, I also think that the the diary, because it's not a full part of Voldemort's soul, it would be somewhat. If it's sort of twisted saying it, but it would be somewhat more corrupt than Voldemort. Reason being is that, as we found out, we didn't know when it was happening, but as we found out, um, the Horcrux is a part of the soul that is fragmented when you murder someone. How good or what, you know, material can be in that soul that would, you know, there's no good figment of that soul in any way. It is a part of the soul that was fragmented because you murdered someone. You know, the ultimate act of hate. So I think that on a certain level, it would be worse than Voldemort. Because it would be even more corrupt because of its, you know, origin. Well, Kevin, just before before you get hate mail, I have to say that the, you know, for the women out there, for the for the women fans... I uh, I have to say that I guess the only good thing that did come out of the twisted, more corrupt Horcrux was uh, Christian Coulson. Uh, <laughs> no, that's I, that's my my uh, my understanding of of the fandom. Okay, girls, take it away. What do you think? Um, well, first of all, I really never understood that appeal. Anyway, um, I think. Yay! <laughs> I think that. I totally well, agree with what I you guys said, said that, and all, all I really have to add to that topic is if the diary had survived, Harry would be screwed. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. Especially since then you'd have to kill two full-strength Voldemorts yeah. in order to kill, <laughs> yeah. but you couldn't kill one without the other. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think it's more of a paradox <laughs> you know what? situation. Because if one Actually, at that time. Can, what? At that time, Voldemort wasn't in power. He wasn't in power for another two years. Which is yeah, yeah, but but think about it. if he had separated. I mean, it's almost like a paradox situation because now you have a full strength Voldemort and another full strength Voldemort, both relying on Horcruxes to stay alive. But each of them is considered a Horcrux to the other. Yeah, it's almost like this mm -hmm. paradoxical situation that J.K. Rowling was wise to avoid and just kill him off. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you, if you think about that, then what about the other Horcruxes? Rhodes? Yeah, but the other Horcruxes <laughs> weren't full strength. They're, they yeah. didn't have substance. They were, they're not a person. They're not a true soul. Right, but they... could they? Right. I think know. it's I mean, possible, but I don't think he... I don't think he... Uh, he made any other Horcrux with the intention that it would s create itself. If that you it would be able to stand act independent, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He made that one specifically, right, and like I, I think that 
we're still not sure if he knows that the diary has been destroyed. And I would gather that he doesn't because I believe he was saving that for a set, a, a special situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was like his book of last return. You know, like, if all else fails, I still have this book that has the potential of keeping me alive. Right. You know. And could and, it have could it have restored him too? Um, well, well, it wouldn't restore him, so to say, but I think it would restore. It's a backup you know, copy. He, exactly, he was. <laughs> backup. He that was his last will and testament. You know, that was him saying, "You may have killed me, but just wait." The sequel. But to be honest, I don't. I think that he's going to be just a little angry at. You know, who 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 uh, put the diary in? Um, Lucius. He's going to be a little angry at Lucius when he finds out that the diary is destroyed. Just a Just little. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think well, Lucius will be sticking around for much longer after he tells him that. Well, he but went and I don't he, think he he gave Draco the suicide mission just because Lucius put the book in Hogwarts and got rid of it. So that's true. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's possible. <laughs> Hi, this is Brianne from Arizona. I love you guys' show. My question is about Snape. Do you think the reason why Snape showed so much remorse after Lily and James's death was because he had feelings for Lily? And also, do you think that's why Lord Voldemort offered Lily a chance to live? Because that's not really what Lord Voldemort would do. I'd love to hear guys' input about that. Love your show. Bye. I think that it would explain a lot if he did. But I can't necessarily see him, you know, telling Voldemort to give her, you know, a chance to get away. So I think, really, you know, Voldemort didn't have any use for her. Otherwise, it wouldn't have mattered if Snape had feelings or not. She would have been dead. (laughs) Well, I think that he definitely has feelings for her. I I really think that's a very, very, very distinct possibility. Um, But I also think that... Maybe it was one of the one times that Voldemort was actually acting on, uh, he was actually picking up, as a leader, I think he was picking up this sense of one of his followers, and he knew that if he had ordered Lily's death without, um, without, you know, a way out, that some of the followers would be a little upset. Also, I think that Voldemort saw value in Lily because we've known that and it's been said that she's a, she was a very talented witch and I think that he it wasn't only for Snape but it was for his own good he was thinking oh what a what's a better chance to get you know someone on our side no but she was a mudblood which is what you have yeah, to, she, she but, was but, uh, I mean she was dirt to him no matter what like yeah even, but I think that even Voldemort would see the value in someone talented. She may have been a mudblood, but at the same time, she she has been said to have a lot of talent. And also, and yes, but this is a man who hates all mankind. This is a man who who absolutely despises anything that's not pure blood or more. And I like the idea that he would spare Lily because he thought she was talented. But I just don't think it's in his personality at all. Well, I mean, he he hates everyone. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a possibility, and the real reason that I could see him sparing her because of her talent is because, yes, he does despise Muggleborns. However, he 
is he loves talent, and he loves taking advantage of talent when he comes by it. That's and, Slughorn. And, that's Slughorn. That's not. <laughs> yeah, but but why not? Why not take think, advantage of the talent and then dispose of her? Because he had I no mean, no reason to. James? I mean, I think why if he kill, had a reason kill to kill I think her, James was talented. Because yeah, but maybe he had a specific purpose in mind. Right for James. Mm-hmm. That that's. And I also funny. think that it is very possible that Snape had feelings for Lily. Um, I, yeah, and definitely. I think that he yeah. probably spent a lot of time calling her mudblood to cover it up. Yeah, absolutely. Which is and I think that scene. Lily identified that. Mm-hmm. I think Lily was a very, very um, astute person. You know, she was able to pick up the the subtleties in people, and I think that she realized that he was doing that because he was trying to separate himself from her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think Snape would tell Dumbledore, uh, tell Voldemort. That's what. That's my point. Yeah. Um, I, don't I think. think yeah. Would. I. I think Snape definitely liked Lily. Um. But. Uh. Yeah. He. I. Personally, I don't think Voldemort would do that for someone anyway. Like. I. I don't think he'd spare someone just because. Um, you know, one of his followers told her to. A, he doesn't care what his followers think to an extent, to most of the extent. And also, B, these are the parents of the kid who's going to overturn him. Right. And Voldemort saw that as an incredible threat. So, I, you know, I don't even know why he hesitated to kill Lily because these were the parents of the kid who was going to overturn him. Well, you know, this he was, might have been are the lying. parents of the, the chosen one, you know. These are the... So... Yeah, he could have. That's a distinct possibility. I mean, so I really don't. He was about to kill her son. (laughs) I mean, maybe he said it mockingly. Maybe he said it because he knew that she wouldn't, Mm -hmm. just so that she would know when she died, that she had the opportunity to get out of it, and she didn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I also seems like the evil act that he would do. I also think that um, we know that Voldemort doesn't understand the concept of love, and I think that if he were lying to Lily, he would say, oh, get out of the way, I'll let you live, because he can't understand how a mother can love her son, how a mother can love her child. Which was his downfall. Exactly. Is his downfall. Because his mother never loved him. He might have been trying to use that to his advantage, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, One other thing, closing... uh, Another thing about Snape, uh, sorry, Dumbledore not caring about his followers. If Snape, if Snape could make Voldemort care about his own personal, you know, love for Lily or something, that's very scary because it shows that Voldemort and Snape have possibly an even stronger connection than Snape and Dumbledore, which scares the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he can make, if he can, make, if he can convince Voldemort to spare the life of a mudblood. That's crazy. Yeah. Especially the mudblood mother of the person who's go- of the chosen one. That's power, and Snape is Snape has got it. So um, we're going to call that the day, the night. So um, just for all the uh, listeners out there, if you've noticed the lack of Andrew, it's because he had to go on urgent business, as he says. So uh, yeah, and we kind of just he just disappeared like yeah. We missed week. you, Andrew, but only don't worry. Yeah, he'll be back next episode so um thank you for being on our show Kristen. yeah thanks for Kristen, coming you've been a wonderful you were great. it was excellent contribution um <laughs> thank you and i think that wraps up this week's episode 
again. Well, Kristen, is oh. there any shout-outs you'd like to give to anybody since you're, you're the contest winner oh, on yeah, the show? True. You kind of earn shout-outs. You know. I'd like to say hi to everybody at Hoffman Lane Elementary School and all of my family, and I'd like to say thanks to my cousin Josh for getting me hooked on Harry Potter in the first place. I think that wraps up this week's edition. <laughs> so again, I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Kristen Atkins. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> See you next time. Bye, everybody. Hi, I want to get a shout out to all the Muggle Boys and saying that you're really cute and I like your voices and you make my day better than any other. Thanks. Hey guys, it's Meredith and I'm listening to you from Covington, Kentucky. I love your show. You do an awesome job. Jamie, I'm loving the jokes, so keep them coming. I crack up every time. I listen to you guys while I lift weights in gym and during biology when my teacher gets boring. I'm also a volleyball player, so I listen to you guys before games to get ready. I found that when I listen to episode 5, I do especially well, but any episode will work. So if anyone's looking for a good luck charm, that's definitely one you should think about. I thought I'd plug my site too while I'm on here. It's a roleplay that hopefully is going to be starting term soon. s4.envisionfree.com slash hogwarts underscore rp underscore site we still need teachers canon and fanon characters if anyone's interested so anyway keep up the good work and i look forward to next week's episode i listen to you guys religiously hey mugglecast it's donnie mcgowan yep i've been listening to the show since the first episode gotta say it's great keep up the good work and uh, while you're at it, check out my film coming out November 23rd, Konak, at www.konak.tk. All right, thanks. Bye. If you'd like to comment on this week's past show, then please send your voice comment to voice at staff.mogonet.com. Please keep your message under 30 seconds. Thank you. <laughs> so Oh my god So Oh my god Andrew I'm sorry this is such a mess It is gonna <laughs> look you have it silent is, It is gonna be this, Kevin, The edited version will be much better Kristen This is how they always go <laughs> No they aren't this bad they I seriously this bad think you gotta put one of these up, up there Cause people just crack up <laughs> Okay, finally, somebody responded. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. All right. Phone call. Yes. I am fine. Yay! All right, Andrew. You know what? I don't feel like doing the news this week. I, I 
I just don't feel like doing it. And guess what? You're just gonna have to accept that. Back to you guys. One that is gonna make me go on a dance. Buckle cast. A hot remix. The mysterious and strange. There is not one podcast ahead of us. A hot remix. One that is going to be going in. There is not one podcast ahead of us. A hot remix. One that is going to make you want to dance. This is Bucklecast. 